the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back and happy December 14th, 2020. Today I yield a bunch to others here, but before I do, keep two thoughts in mind. If you attack or criticize the press, you are at war with or starting a war with or declaring war on the media, complete with putting journalists' lives at risk. Also, if you don't call someone a doctor who has a Ph.D. or EDD and they are a woman, you are a sexist. Never mind if they have a medical degree and you do not call them doctor. You see, the New York Times refers to Mr. Ben Carson, one of the most famous neurosurgeons in the world, as a mister. Jill Biden, with her EDD, she must be referred to as doctor and anything less is sexist. And as the Wall Street Journal published an op-ed on Saturday by one of the most gifted public intellectuals in America, one Joseph Epstein, questioning whether we really have to be so scrupulous about conveying the honorific doctor in every referral to Jill Biden, every other major media outlet in the world condemned the Wall Street Journal for publishing that op-ed. While you would almost think someone published an op-ed justifying federal force and quelling violent riots... Wall Street Journal editor Paul Gigot has more guts than the New York Times, though. He's standing by the op-ed that was published, and unlike the New York Times, not firing the op-ed editor. Just to give you a sense of the war that was declared, Gigot wrote the op-ed, triggered a flood of media and Twitter criticism, including demands that he retract the piece, apologize personally to Dr. Jill Biden, ban Mr. Epstein for all time, and resign and think upon his sins. The complaints began as a trickle but became a torrent after the Biden media team elevated Mr. Epstein's work in what was clearly a political strategy. Mrs. Biden's press spokesperson, Michael LaRosa, issued a tweet in early afternoon on Saturday. James Taranto, who's the editor, James Taranto, you... Gigo, and the Wall Street Journal should be embarrassed to print the disgusting and sexist attack on at Dr. Biden running on the Wall Street Journal opinion page. If you had any respect for women at all, you would remove this repugnant display of chauvinism from your paper and apologize to her, close quote. Elizabeth Alexander, the soon-to-be First Lady's communications director, also chimed in, quote, sexist and shameful. Be better, Wall Street Journal, close quote. Miss Alexander called Gigo after her tweet to register her disapproval personally, which is fine. Her job is to flack for her boss, and part of his job is to listen to complaints. He said they had a frank exchange of views, as the diplomats say, and invited her to send in a letter for publication. Meanwhile, Team Biden continued to push the sexist theme. Doug Emhoff, husband of Kamala Harris, tweeted, quote, Dr. Biden earned her degrees through hard work and pure grit. She's an inspiration to me, to her students, and to Americans across the country. The story would never have been written about a man, close quote. Pete Buttigieg's, let me try that again. Pete Buttigieg's husband, Chastin Buttigieg, tweeted, quote, The author could have used fewer words to just say, you know, in my day we didn't have to respect women. 
close quote. Why go to such lengths to highlight a single op-ed on a relatively minor issue? My guess is that the Biden team concluded it was a chance to use the big gun of identity politics to send a message to critics as it prepares to take power. There's nothing like playing the race or gender card to stifle criticism. It's the left's version of Donald Trump's enemy of the people tweets. The difference is that when Mr. Trump ranted against the press, the press mobilized in opposition. In this case, the Biden team was able to mobilize almost all of the press to join in denouncing Mr. Epstein and the journal. Nearly every publication wrote about the Biden response, reinforcing the Biden New York Times line, quote, an opinion writer argued Jill Biden should drop the doctor, close quote. This strategy worked to protect Joe and Hunter Biden during the campaign, so it's no surprise they're keeping it up as they head to the White House. Northwestern University, where Mr. Epstein taught for many years, did its part by denouncing him in a statement and appearing to purge his listing from its website. This is how cancel culture works. Steve Hayward nails it with the truth. He writes, while no one in academia will, while no one in academia will admit it, an EDD degree is regarded as about the level of an MBA, if that. And how many lawyers demand to be called doctor? Because their degree is actually a JD, which stands for Juris Doctor. Excuse me, Your Honor, but that's Dr. Dershowitz to you. Yeah, not even that guy. Maybe from now on I get to be called Dr. Liebson. Please no. That would mean Joe Biden is also Dr. Biden. He has a JD. So you can do the whole doctor-doctor thing with both Bidens. Hunter, too. Three doctors in that family. Back to Steve Hayward, who has a real Ph.D., not an EDD or JD. He asks, hypothetically, suppose Dr. Biden, Jill, is dining in a restaurant sometime and a nearby diner is suddenly in distress. The host or hostess calls out, is there a doctor in the house? Will Dr. Jill Biden answer the call? Steve writes, if I'd ever actually reserved a table with the name Dr. Hayward and someone was choking, I guess I'd have to say, well, you see, I'm a doctor of philosophy, and a philosophy teaches that there's a time to live and a time to die. But wait, it's not such a hypothetical. As Whoopi Goldberg found out embarrassingly back during the campaign when she suggested on her show The View that Dr. Jill Biden could be our next Surgeon General, she actually said, and I quote, she's an amazing doctor, a great doctor, until another on the panel had to politely, if not a little uncomfortably, explain that Jill Biden was not a medical doctor. She must have been an amazing and great doctor of education. I'm sure Whoopi, of course, read her dissertation. Now, about that desire or order that Jill Biden be referred to as a doctor, back to Paul Gigot. The outrage is overwrought because whether you agree or disagree, Mr. Epstein's piece was fair comment. The issue of Jill Biden's educational honorific isn't new. As long ago as 2009, the Los Angeles Times devoted a story to the subject. Here's from the piece by Robin Abkarian from the L.A. Times. Quote, Joe Biden on the campaign trail explained that his wife's desire for the highest degree was in response to what she perceived as her second-class status in their mail. She said, I was so sick of the mail coming to Senator and Mrs. Biden. 
I wanted to get mail addressed to Dr. and Senator Biden. That's the real reason she got her doctorate, Joe Biden said, close quote. Now to the university part. Scott Johnson writes, Those of us who view the college campus as a hotbed of Stalinism have a current case in point with Northwestern University's treatment of longtime university lecturer Joseph Epstein, easily our most prominent essayist. As a result of his column, Northwestern first promptly turned Epstein into an unperson. Trotsky and Yeskov were disappeared on a slightly longer timeline. You see, Northwestern deleted Epstein's biography from its website website as if he no longer exists there. Not good enough, though. The English department, speaking ex-cathedra, denounced Mr. Epstein. I don't know if they even think about what they are doing. Honestly, you are so afraid of being out of step with the political correctness of the age that you have to tell the world from an entire department you disagree with a singular op-ed from one of your own. Why not write your own damned op-ed? Aha, that's it. You see, most faculty, and I have no doubt this is absolutely true of nearly 99.9% of the faculty at Northwestern, hate, hate, hate that one of their own is more famous and better published than they are, and in the major media, no less. By the way, the Northeastern Statement concludes thusly, quote, Northwestern is firmly committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and strongly disagrees with Mr. Epstein's misogynistic views, close quote. Equity, diversity, and inclusion. You see, if only for the right political party, of course, and quite truly something else. No equity and diversity and inclusion for a man in Mr. Epstein, who has written seven serious books and innumerable essays, never mind serving as an editor of one of the most seriously intellectual magazines in the country, the new criterion. We must defend a person we don't know and would never, if her name was Smith, be accepted on the faculty of Northwestern if she had the same degrees as Jill Biden. That's actually not a small point. Jill Biden's academic career and credentials would never get her an interview on any faculty at Northwestern were her name Smith. But we will defenestrate one of our own, they say, for questioning, frankly, just that point. My good friend and writer Jonathan Rausch has said about the modern university that it seeks to make higher education emotionally safer by making it less intellectually dangerous. The trouble is that intellectually safe spaces are finishing schools, not universities. They can confer connections, polish, and useful skills, but they will not educate because to educate is to inflict and to endure criticism. He's right. He also once proposed that every college handbook to new students contain this warning. Quote, warning, although this university values and encourages civil expression and respectful personal behavior, you may at any moment and without further notice encounter ideas, expressions, and images that are mistaken, upsetting, dangerous, prejudiced, insulting, or offensive. We call this education, close quote. Here's the problem. The colleges won't do this because they don't believe it. Here's the second problem. 
By colleges, I don't just mean staff and administration. I also mean faculty. They don't believe it either. Northwestern is a case in point. You know what frightens me the most about this? Northwestern has and maintains perhaps the most well-known or respected journalism school in the country. God save our schools and students and the profession we used to call journalism. It's all pretty much gone, and it's going to get worse. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Once in a while, a film comes along that you watch, and immediately you want everyone you know to watch. Poor to CEO, the Herman Kame story is that type of film, and it's now available at SalemNow.com. Herman was the former CEO of Godfather's Pizza. He battled and beat cancer. He was a talk radio host in Atlanta for many years. I got to know him in D.C., when he and I worked with uh, the Bill Bennett show, he ran for president in 2012. He was an amazing man whose life embodied the values we strive to live and pass along to our kids and grandkids. Belief in God, hard work, good education, personal responsibility, living each day with a thankful heart. Porta CEO is one of the most inspirational, entertaining films. And you can watch it right now at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. Make sure to use promo code PHOENIX and save 20 Percent watch Porta CEO, the Herman Kane story at SalemNow.com. Uh yes, someone asked uh, a few of you actually asked if I would say a few words about COVID and the vaccine, and I'm happy to do so. Um let me put them together with my updated CDC data stats from today. So bear with little tail to the end of these statistics. There have been 213.7 million COVID tests in America. 17.5 million were positive. 196.2 million were negative, which gives you a positivity rate of 8%. We have uh, 306,000 deaths marked with COVID. By the way, on that state with the highest, New York, they count a death as COVID even if you tested positive as long as 60 days prior to your death. So just know that. That's not their health department. Death rate is – so the death rate is a percent – here it's 30. Death rate is a percent of positive tests, 1.7%, a little bit down from last week. Death rate is a percent of all tests, 0.1, one-tenth one percent population of 331 million gives you a mortality rate of nine hundredths of one percent that means your chance of not dying from covid is 99.91 percent in america or better or better because a lot of people have had it and didn't know it and if you're in new york and you are marked as a covid death it could mean yeah you had it 60 days ago and got over it in a week and something else took you yeah, I want to do Juan Williams in a second. He evidently had COVID. He wrote about it. Weird. I'll tell you about it in a minute. But a thought on the vaccines that are making so much news. First of all, several thoughts. First of all, it's now fun watching all the people on our side 
um, scoring all the CNN reporters who said there is no way you'll have a vaccine in a year, as Donald Trump kept saying, Brian Stelter and others. Two, Anthony Fauci. There's a story on CNN from March. Anthony, Anthony Fauci says, I told Donald Trump three times you cannot have a vaccine within a year. Fauci, the man who's never wrong, must be listened to. Um, there was another journalist, this was fun, who uh, tweeted in April. She said, uh, flag this tweet for December when we don't have a vaccine, as I know we cannot. And someone said, here I am. <laughs> Flagged it. <laughs> now, a curiosity, if you will, something from the vaults of George Carlin, I should think, except if he were alive and well today. Fever and muscle pain. That's what the Wall Street Journal says are the side effects of the COVID vaccine. The Arizona Republic today says joint and muscle aches. Quote, joint and muscle aches. Um, the FDA, I went to the FDA site. It says, quote, the most commonly reported side effects, which typically lasted several days, were pain at the injection site, which is where you get the shot, tiredness, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, and fever. Joint pain, chills, and fever. Now, I thought fever, aches, and pain for several days was what happened when you got COVID, if you're under the age of 75. Am I missing something here? Let me take you to what, um, it's kind of weird, it's, it's just kind of weird, what uh, Juan Williams wrote in The Hill today. So I didn't know this. I guess this no, it was under wraps until now. He... Um, Two weeks ago, tested positive for the coronavirus, he writes. I'm a 66-year-old cancer survivor. I'm a black man. And I inhale my share of secondhand smoke because my wife smokes cigarettes. So I set off several red lights that indicate a high risk of a bad outcome if I got COVID-19. And I really didn't want my wife, the smoker, to have it either. I got it. I tested positive. I had two more tests, and they confirmed the worst. So I went into quarantine. There was fatigue, fever, chills, headache, sinus pain. His wife got it too. And now they're fine. And now they're fine. One of the things that's interesting is he said, I'm the one always wearing the mask, even stepping off the sidewalk to avoid getting too close to anyone. His conclusion, of course, we're all in this together, wear a mask. Who still smokes who's smart and cares about COVID? Who smokes if you're that health conscious? And what am I missing here? 66 cancer survivor. Secondhand smoker, I guess, if that's a thing. Black, got it, fever, flu effectively, and fine. And always wears a mask. This is why we're shutting the country down for this. Okay.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 334 brings us John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. Mr. Positive, John yes. Dombrowski, how are you? Happy Monday. Fantastic, as always, yes. You had a good weekend, did you? Great weekend, yes. Me too. It was chilly. We were up in Prescott for the weekend. It was cold up there, but it was It was nice. cold here, so you decided to go colder? Yes, yeah, sure. People come here for warmth, John. I know. It was great, though. We had a good Did time. you Airbnb your house? No. We have our own place up there. And, uh, no, here. Here. While you oh, were gone. No. no Let no. me know next time you go to Prescott. Okay. Uh, in advance. And you want to want to stay at the house for a while? Yeah, stay at the manse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. We've been talking about a coronavirus yes. relief proposal mm. for some time now. It looks like they're about ready to unveil the $908 billion proposal. Yes. A little bit bigger than Barack Obama's stimulus, but of course, uh, different times. The curious thing to me is this is what Pelosi is now comfortable with. She um she's comfortable with this, but wouldn't 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 do two trillion. You know? Well, Back in yeah. September and October, yeah. two trillion was too small. Right. Needed to be Does three, she have yeah. a math problem as they used to say? Well, obviously, Seth there's politics that's coming the into times are here. different yes now. of course same yeah. thing with the amount okay yeah. talk yeah. to me well obviously they're uh as we know uh, and both sides play the games of course but but we've seen just an unbelievable uh amount challenge of game playing for the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for the for the president yeah. here it's been a real challenge yeah. uh and then you know playing with the businesses now shutting down in new york and just three hundred thousand employees i didn't know this three hundred thousand employees are involved in the restaurant business in yeah. new york did yeah. you know that I didn't uh know. I, I, I didn't, didn't know, know the that. exact number no, until, until the report came out but yeah. boy when you think about that um these businesses had to shut down once and now here they are doing it again and we, there was an article, and actually it was a video that I saw. One of the advisors in our office showed me. It was in California, though, where they had shut down the restaurants again in the L.A. County area, I believe it was. And they, as they were doing that, this woman was walking uh, in front of her business, which was shut down, and she panned the camera across the way up on the hill, and they were getting set up for a big Hollywood event that night for like a 1,000 people. Yeah. Uh, but her restaurant couldn't open. Nope. It, it's just such hypocrisy. And now, of course, today was the first uh, vaccine we yep. saw. Yep. Uh, so it's just kind of a slap in the face for these business owners. It really is. And um, the employees of the yep. business, the 300,000 sure. I'm thinking of in New York, it's probably a bigger amount in California, a larger amount in California. And even if we see $1,200 per person, it's, 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 that's not going to be enough. Yeah, what set. is that? It's is that one be. month's mortgage? Yeah, Maybe not, somehow, not some be way? Enough. I don't know. But the market, you know, shrugged this off, I think. We did see a little pullback in the markets today. Earlier in it's the day. It's going to affect sales reports this week, isn't it? A little bit, at least, uh, restaurant sales, service uh, sector activity? Definitely, yeah. definitely uh, the service sector restaurants, yes. Uh, but retail still has momentum. Yeah. And we're seeing some positive uh, reporting on on the fronts there so I the people that. are still spending money it's amazing and of course and housing. wealth is being created mm-hmm. did you see this report from the federal reserve they just released a study showing that uh, the policies of the last four years have caused a surge of wealth the net worth of all americans rose to 128 trillion dollars yeah. through september yeah. of this year up almost 30 percent in four years well seth if you look that's at, before at, door, doordash yeah. and airbnb yeah you look at your 401ks yeah. uh, the average person who has a retirement account if they've been consistently uh, contributing to that 401k 
even if you're in more of a moderate type of a portfolio, you would have seen some fantastic growth over the past four years. Yeah. And that ultimately leads to the bottom line, which is you're increasing the net worth of the American public out yeah. there. It, it's been a really a positive uh, four years that the president has put together the packages that he uh, – uh, and the the, um, the legislation that he passed to free up America to be able to do business and commerce was the, was the key. What's all races, happen with all the, races saw increases yep, in their wealth. Every holdings. every yeah. and and right women as well as uh, uh, all the different. You're right. It does wor- worry me a little when Joe Biden, as Steve Moore put it, Joe Biden keeps talking about rewarding work, not wealth. We're all for work, but yeah. there's no re- nothing wrong then with Then what's wealth. the reward for working hard? Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously, the harder you work, we're fortunate enough we've been able to, uh, you know, have a society where it was uh, free, a free society yeah. where we more we worked harder. You also work, need someone signing more. the front of your paycheck, don't you? Uh, yeah, unless you're in your own business. Yeah, right. And if you're in the restaurant business, that's a problem because you're signing pink problem. slips now instead no, of paychecks. You bet. Thank you, John. Yes, Securities and Advisory Services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand King and Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you so much, Seth. Thank you, JD. We'll talk to you soon. 602-508-0960. Can you go out with a song we don't use and maybe think about adding it if it's good for an out high on the mountain of love by Charlie Pride? He passed away this weekend. Um, he's someone we have featured on this show for a very long time. I've been using him for bumper music. Uh, what? Problem? Good? You okay? You look okay. Uh, I've been using his music uh, in radio for my whole life. He was a pioneer with just one of those unique voices. Um, one of the one one of the early early African American or Black country music singers. Um, He's he was he was a great man. Just seemed like a, such a great guy. He was 86, died uh, with COVID, and was featured uh, at the American uh, Country Music Awards uh, just last month, the CMA Awards, where they gave him a, a Lifetime Achievement Award. And he looked, you know, his full 86 and then some. He didn't look to be doing too well, but he was there, and God love him. He said, they used to ask me how it feels to be the, pardon my parlance here, I'm quoting him, okay, from a while back. They used to ask me how it feels to be the first colored country singer. Then it was first Negro country singer. Then first black country singer. Now I'm the first African American country singer. That's really all that changed. This country is so race conscious, so ate up with color and pigment, I call it skin hangups. It's a disease. Yes, he's right. It is. What a good guy. Um, He said, my older sister one time said, why are you singing their music? Why are you singing their music? He responded, but we all understand what the y'all and us syndromes has been. See, I never as an individual accepted that. And I just think it's all our music. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's like Lincoln. Yes, it's like Lincoln. Thank you for saying that. I guess he was a part owner in the Texas Rangers. Um, But, of course, you know, people have to be people. That is to say, ridiculous. So, (sighs) Marin Morris tweeted this and then deleted it. But, you know, 
the memory machine is always there, quote, I don't want to jump to conclusions because no family statement has been made, but if this was a result of the CMAs being indoors, we should all be outraged. Well, who is she to... We need answers as to how Charlie got COVID, said singer Mickey Gayton. All right, fine. The CMA had to put out a statement then because, you know... Hand ringers are where fun goes to die. Quote, everyone affiliated with the CMA awards followed strict testing protocols outlined by the city health department and unions. Charlie was tested prior to traveling to Nashville. He was tested upon landing in Nashville, in Nashville and again on show day with all tests coming back negative. After returning to Texas following the CMA awards, Charlie again tested negative multiple times. Still, all of us in the country music community are heartbroken by Charlie's passing. We will not be commenting on this further out of respect for his family. Okay. Okay. An 86-year-old man who didn't have COVID at the time looked all of 86 years, quite frankly, and then some. When I saw him last November last month, last November, last month, and with COVID, he passed. I'm sorry about that. That's terrible. He was a great musician. If you watched those CMA awards, by the way, it was pretty sad sack. It was indoors, and it had, I don't know, if it had 25 people in the audience, maybe 30. I mean, it was every four tables and um you know it just it was sad not what you think of as country music awards or anything else but charlie was great and um he shall be missed he was indeed a pioneer uh i was talking about the nancy pelosi um coronavirus relief package and how she's now good with $908 billion. But, you know, in September, $2 trillion was too little. Do you have a little Dan Crenshaw on this? Let's hear it. Mr. Speaker, I rise today to unequivocally condemn in the strongest possible terms the actions of the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Just last week, referring to her obstruction of bipartisan targeted relief bills that we could have voted on on this floor, she said, quote, don't characterize what we did before as a mistake. This was not a mistake. It was a decision, end quote. When asked what had changed, why she is finally coming to the table on COVID relief, her response was simple, a new president. We've known for months that Speaker Pelosi was holding the American people hostage for political gain. I've said it. My colleagues have said it. While Americans suffered under unscientific, foolish lockdowns, Pelosi withheld relief for political purposes, not policy purposes, but political purposes. But we now have a full admission. She said the quiet part out loud. This was never about what was best for the American people, never about honest policy disagreement. It was about preventing President Trump from getting any credit. It was about politics. Speaker Pelosi made a simple calculation. She bet that if she could keep Congress from reaching a deal on COVID relief, that would hurt President Trump and Republicans and give her more power. That's enough of that for a second. 
Indeed, he's quoting her accurately. She said the quiet part out loud and doesn't have any qualms about it. If you go to her website, speaker.gov, she has the transcript of this press conference December 4th. And she says it's because we have a new president. She then gets a question. Question, what has shifted now when they're on board with this piece that's come out of the Senate? Speaker Pelosi, perhaps you missed what I said earlier. Joe Biden committed to ending and crushing the virus and having a Build Back Better initiative, a vaccine, answer to our prayers. That makes this a total game changer, a new president and a vaccine. It's the new president that makes it a game changer. She was holding out for a Joe Biden victory until she would sign off on Corona relief. She said it three times. Committed to ending and crushing the virus. Was Donald Trump not? And the vaccine was, yes, we, we were told we would have a vaccine. We've known we would have a vaccine. The president said we would have a vaccine. It's just that CNN said we wouldn't and Fauci said we wouldn't. Boy, you know, the accountability here is zero. The politics has been turned up to level 20 and no one seems to care about it. Everything is just fine. And she doesn't have a pang of conscience about it. She's not someone who was suffering from the shutdowns. She avoided them by breaking them. Brandon Weikert's going to join us. He has a lot to talk about. He's got a whole lot of things to say, (coughs) including about Eric Swalwell, including about Dr. Jill Biden, including about China's threat that's being ignored. He has a lot. It's getting to a point where you have to research every single story, local, national, you name it. You have to research every single thing. American Experiment points out on November 30th, New York Post carried a a story titled 16-year-old Wisconsin student abruptly dies of COVID-19 related illness. I say Morocco, a junior at East High School in Madison, died with COVID-19 pneumonia. The student's father, Milton Morocco, told Spanish news outlet MIWisconsin.com. But reading on, we learn Isaiah's father told MIWisconsin that his son was suffering from diarrhea and vomiting, but did not exhibit any respiratory symptoms common among coronavirus patients. The high schooler had also tested negative for COVID-19 at the hospital days before his death, the father said. In other words, this death, while tragic, had nothing to do with COVID-19 except for a headline. Business Insider, a week ago, carried a story titled, Christy Noem's grandmother died in a nursing home hit by COVID-19 as the South Dakota governor continues to downplay the virus. We are told, South Dakota, quoting from the paper, South Dakota Governor Christy Noem's grandmother died in a nursing home hit by COVID-19 in November as the politician continued to downplay the seriousness of the virus and avoided putting a mask mandate in place. But then we learn Noem's grandmother, how old? Eight, 98. Christy Noem's grandmother, 98, Aldous, tested negative for COVID-19. Before she died on November 
22nd. In other words, as with the death of Isaiah Morocco, that of Christy Noem's 98-year-old grandmother had nothing to do with... You've got to research every little thing. i got to hear this. Christopher in Phoenix, i got to hear this real quick. Go for it, buddy. <laughs> the best concert I ever saw was with Charlie... Yeah, we, we heard we you you said the loud part quietly in that case. I'm sorry. Are you there? Yeah, now we are. Okay, I'm, that was my try it again. Make it quick. Make it quick. <laughs> uh, Colorado State Fair. He sat out there and sang his heart out yeah. on a very very small stage out in the open with like hurricane type weather, Aww. lightning going off all over the what place. Year, the what year? What year was this? Ducking. What year would this have been? Oh my god, I was that was back in middle school. I'd have to go back and decipher. Oh no, okay, so not recently. Oh, Charlie Pride, Amazing. God love him. Just he a good guy, right? Out. Just a good guy. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks for the memory, Christopher. God bless you. Thank you for that. So you can say the quiet part out loud, but you can also say the out loud part quietly by accident. Hope I don't do that. Don't go away. Brandon Weikert with a lot coming up.